I just want to say, especially if this is your first time with us, um, for some of y'all, I know for sure, but if for some of y'all out here, maybe not. <laughs> um, I just want to say thanks for coming and taking the risk to be here with us tonight. Um, I know there's lots of other things going on on campus, especially as stuff gets going through the semester. Um, but man, this is a really beautiful community to be a part of. And I just want you to know that RUF is a place for all kinds of people. Uh, people of different races, people of different creeds. Um, this is a place where we believe that everybody needs Jesus, but it's not a place for everybody where everyone necessarily believes in Jesus. That if you're here and you're kind of trying to figure out what faith is or who Jesus is, um, or you hear something that kind of rocks you and you're like, man, this is not the Jesus I thought I knew. Like, this is deeper and richer than that. Um, I'd love to meet with you and talk with you. If you have just kind of a gear to grind about Christianity, might be to listen to that. Um, I've not always been a Christian myself. Um, but I would love to talk and hang out and get to know you some. Because this is a place for people who need Jesus. Um, but not everybody has to believe in Jesus. And so we're glad that you're here with us tonight. If you're, especially if you're trying to figure stuff out. Um, so this semester we're going through the book of Psalms. And obviously there's 150 of those things. I can't do all of them in a semester. Kind of picking our way through. And tonight I'm in uh, Psalm 23. Kind of a famous song. I think a lot of people have probably heard it. Uh, but a really rich and powerful psalm, especially when we consider God's work in our lives. And what does it mean that God carries us and guides us through life? So this is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me pray for us and I'll start. Father, we do thank you for tonight. Um, God, for your work through praise, through your work through one another in our community. God, through your work through your word and the way that it makes your son Jesus beautiful and true and good. God, I pray that you would use your spirit tonight um, to make the beauty and the truth and the goodness of Christ good in our hearts. God, that we would know him, embrace him, follow him. God, that those of us who are hurt, God, that you would bind us up and heal us. God, that those of us who don't know you, God, that you would open our eyes and that we would perceive you and truly know you. God, that those of us um, who are just wildly immature, and don't barely know our left hand from our right, God, that you would grow us up into men and women who are mighty oaks of righteousness, and who love you and care for you and walk in the wisdom of Christ. God, do all these things through your spirit and your word tonight. Bless us with them as you bless us with Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Who's taken a class these past few weeks um, where when you started you had no idea anything about that subject? Like, and you've already learned something new. Has, has that happened to anybody yet? Probably, right? Um, I can remember being in college and having sort of something similar to that, not just with classes, but with things that people would ask me to do. One time, uh, me and my friend Baker, we were roommates in college, we got asked by some AD Pies uh, to go with them. <laughs> this is already taking a hard right turn. Uh, <laughs> uh, to go with them to a hip-hop dance class. We were, we were in Atlanta, that's so where I went to college at. And they asked, hey, do you want to go with us to this hip-hop dance class? And like, exercise with us and we're like yeah sure like we weren't dating anybody <laughs> and so we get there and I didn't know anything about dance um I definitely didn't know anything about hip-hop dance I'm I can't even y'all I can't even clap and sing at the same time I'm so offbeat 
And so I was total fish out of water. And my friend who's an 80 pie, she's taken dance classes her whole life. She just looks at me as we walk into the room and she says, just keep your eyes on the instructor and you'll be fine. And I was like, all right, all right. Eyes on the instructor. So the music starts going and he starts off with something really simple, rolling the dice. A little bit of that right there. <laughs> <laughs> and, it was like, and then from there, it just got progressively worse and progressively faster and faster and faster. And me and my friend Baker, we had strategically chosen to be in the back of the room so that no one would see us. But we didn't realize when we got in there was that the back of the room was also uh, had a huge glass section that people who are walking by from other classes could like see in and like watch the hip hop dance class. And a crowd had gathered to watch me and my friend Baker try to do hip hop dance, which was terrible because we were not doing it. And midway through, like this, the instructor stops. We've been keeping our eyes on him, and he stops. And me and Baker just like chest bump. We're so happy. Like we're like, it's done, it's done. And he he totally stops. He's like, no, 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 guys, I've got a special treat for y'all tonight. And I was like, oh no, what is this? <laughs> he said, the premier hip-hop dance troupe in Atlanta has come to be with us, surprise, and they've just finished making a music video for Usher, who was super hot in the early 2000s. <laughs> and they've got some brand new moves for us. <laughs> and so like, so they, the music starts going, and they crank it up to like 11 on there. And finally, Baker and I like completely give up, and we're just doing like push-ups and like sit-ups, and people are laughing at us while this dance class is going on around us. And we just completely gave up because we couldn't even see the instructor anymore. Um, a lot of times in life, what you have to do to do something... Well, I know, this is my tr- transition. <laughs> a lot of times, what you have to do in life is you got to keep your eyes on the person that knows what they're doing, right? You don't know what you're doing sometimes, right? You don't know the future. You know what's coming. You don't know how to start something or how to finish something you never entered into. What's important, though, is to know the one that you're, that's leading through it and keeping your eyes on them. And where we can go wrong is you can say, well, I know what I'm doing. I can do this on my own. And ignore the person that's guiding us. And knowing anything is like that, right? Like when you want to know how a story goes, you hear the blurb, and then if you actually want to know the story, you read the book or you watch the movie. If you want to know a person, you maybe do a little bit of an Instagram or Facebook flyover. But then, then you sit down with them, right? And talk. And if you really want to know them, you live a little bit of life with them. In the same way, God calls us to know Him and follow Him. Not from some sort of far-off clinical kind of way. We kind of learn a little bit about Him and then kind of do what we want to do. But the Psalms, especially Psalm 23, is all about knowing God by living with God. Participating in life with God. Walking with Him in life. And following Him as we keep our eyes on Him. So tonight I want to talk about three things from this Psalm as we learn how to, what it means to participate in life with God. I want to ask... What is a sheep? Who is the shepherd? And where does he lead? What's a sheep? Who's the shepherd? Where does he lead? So one, what's a sheep? What's a sheep? Think about the way that David's portraying himself here. Okay, in real life, David is a warrior. He's a king. He's a husband and a dad. Here he's none of those things. Here he's a sheep. I'm I'm assuming most of you not spend a lot of time with sheep. I haven't. But from what I hear, sheep are really dumb. Like super dumb. They are meat candy covered in wool, right? (laughs) They don't have claws. They don't have teeth. Their survival strategy of a sheep is to stay in a group and hope that somebody else gets eaten, right? (laughs) Like, that's stupid. (laughs) Bears and lions look at them and say, ah, sweet, snack time. 
David is saying, God, that's what I am. Like, husband, dad, warrior, king, all that on the side, I may as well be a dumb, helpless sheep. Is he still a warrior king? Yes. Is he still like this emo poet? Yes. <laughs> you wrote a lot of emo, y'all. <laughs> Is he meat candy? Also, yes. David's saying, God, if I'm going to make it through life, you're going to have to lead me. I've got to keep my eyes on you. I've got to follow the one who made the world, who redeems the world. And I just want to say, I think that kind of sheep neediness is really hard for us. It's hard for me anyway. I mean, a lot of times the vision for our life is that as I get older, my life is going to get easier. I'm going to get smarter. I'm going to get stronger. I'm going to learn a whole new set of skills. And what David is saying is, okay, some of that may be true. But at the end of the day, the actual, the way you're going to make it through life is through weakness. The way you're going to make it through life is through need. Is by looking at yourself and saying, I'm a sheep. I'm not going to make it through this life, God, without you. I've got, to, I've got to follow you. I've got to know you. Look, if you're here and you know that you're reasonably intelligent and you're competent in most things in life, and yet there are times when you also feel weak and helpless, and David is saying, me too. He's saying, that's the way it's always been, right? Knowing that it's okay if we're weak. Knowing that it's okay if we're sheep. That we don't have it together. That we're actually pretty vulnerable people. It's actually the place where we begin to live life with other people in a real way. And to live God, with God in a real way. That living life with God means that you don't have to hide your weakness behind your strength. But you can actually have a place for being uncertain about the future. Or not really knowing who you are. Or not having what it takes inside of yourself. Which is kind of the motto around here, right? To be able to do life on your own. That God is actually saying through the psalm, you don't have to be a fully self-contained, self-sufficient person. I actually made you to be a sheep. And if there's times when you feel sheepish, that's okay. It's part of the plan. So if that's what it means to be a sheep... What's the shepherd? Look at verse 1 here. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. The shepherd is familiar. He's close. He's strong. He's a guide. He's there to protect and keep the sheep through danger. Our Bibles have the word Lord in all capital letters because David is using God's personal covenant name, which is Yahweh, which doesn't really ever get translated here. But what David is saying is, this is not just any God out there. I'm not sitting here in my room making up a God, writing sweet sheep poetry to that person, wherever they are. But he said, I know who this God is. This is the God that led Moses and Israel out of Egypt. This is the God who created the world. This is the God that gives life and sets free. David's joy is that God isn't distant. David's joy is that God is close. He's familiar. He's intimate. He knows me because he's my shepherd. And because he's my shepherd, he's going to give me everything that I need. I'll never live apart from his provision. Think about how this would change the way that we pray. You ever use prayer to get things or try to get things? When I was 10, I used to pray all the time for X-Men powers. <laughs> that never worked out, you know, <laughs> weirdly enough. But we pray a lot of times mainly when we're in trouble, mainly when we want success in life, mainly when we just kind of want stuff. Like, God, please make this idiot over here ask me out, right? 
God, I've been good. I've put in that coin. God, I've studied hard. Put in that coin. God, I believe in you. Put in that. All right, now I've put in all this stuff. Give me what I want. Give me what I need. Give me that A. Give me the internship. Give me the job. All those prayers are ways to get what we want out of God. But when you start to see God as your shepherd who knows you and loves you, it's then that we begin to desperately want to know God, not for what he can give, but just for who he is in himself. It's at that point the real intimacy between you and God actually begins. When you can say, Lord, whatever happens to me, I want to know you as my shepherd and guide in life. Everything good that comes in this psalm comes first from the shepherd. Because the shepherd knows David and David knows the shepherd. Look, look at what David says here. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why am I in green pastures? Because he made me lie down to them. Maybe David would have walked over to the next hill and gone on past this green pasture, but God said, lie down, right? Why don't I fear? Even when I'm in darkness and dark places that are really hard, why aren't I afraid? Because the shepherd is with me. He is so good and so strong that he prepares a meal for me in the presence of people that want to hurt me. Look, when your confidence comes not from you, but from the shepherd... It gives you the sort of freedom and bold love that we all long for, doesn't it? Look, my assumption is that when people walk through this door, they actually want to know God. And, you know, if there's somebody behind the curtain pulling the levers in the world, whoever that person is, I'd like to know him. I'd like to have a relationship with him. That's my assumption for you. Isn't this the way to that? Think about where this would take us. Uh, I would... (laughs) I've been reading a lot about uh, the civil rights movement lately. And it's amazing because the Christians within the civil rights movement were able to love their enemies because they knew this kind of shepherd. And they knew his character. Not because they knew that everything would turn out all right. Like when the Montgomery boy- bus boycott started, they didn't know how that would end. They were just doing it because it was the right thing to do. The civil rights activist, former pastor, one of the founding members of the Black Congressional Caucus, a guy named Walter Fontroy, said that when Rosa Parks sat down in the front of the bus... She was making a statement as to whether or not God could be trusted. These people knew God and knew him as a shepherd. In the Birmingham Civil Rights Movement, there were plainclothes policemen who would attend the church meetings that made up a lot of the substance of that movement. And they would take these detailed notes of what was going on and what was being said. And what they found out was shocking. Because the men and the women at these events had this profound faith in God and his work. That even in the midst of terrible things that their enemies were doing to them, like bombing their churches or spraying them with fire hoses or sending police dogs after them for peaceful marches, that these people had a faith in the shepherd and the God who cared for them. That this faith was in God's love and his provision. And this empowered these people to love their enemies. Jacob, can you get the slide on next thing right here? Uh, It's the quote. Here's an excerpt from what one of the police detectives who was at this wrote. He said, Dear Sir... The preacher kept saying that God would save Bull. That's Bull Connor, the head of uh, the, the Birmingham Police Department, who's super terrible racist. God saved George Wallace, who was the governor of Alabama, who stood at the courthouse steps and said that there would ne- they would never integrate. God saved Khrushchev, who was the head of the Soviet Union at the time. They wanted to nuke the United States. He screamed, what do you want me to do, Lord? Over and over again, he kept hollering until the last he said, that he'd like to take Bull in his arms and take him to God and save him. Why could he do that? Because these people knew God as their shepherd. They knew God would love them and care for them, and so they could love their enemies. Actually, at the end of this meeting, they elected Bull Connor 
as an honorary member of the civil rights movement because of all that his tactics had done to further their cause. Because they knew that God was their shepherd and that he loved them and that nothing could stop them. Even though they didn't know how it all turned out. That's what God is calling us to as well, is to love people in that kind of way. And because we know God in that kind of way. Okay, okay, Simon, but that's the civil rights movement. Pretty high standard for us in the room, right? What can we actually do? Think about this. You and I worry so much about the future, don't we? We worry so much about the future. Will things get better for me this semester? Will things get better for my family financially? Will I have a job next year when I graduate? It can sometimes feel like we spend more time in the future than in the present. And that's especially true when it comes to things like dating. Right? We want to find out not just a person, but we want to find our person. And when you add in the fear of the future and desire to have the person, what sometimes happens? We go after someone that is maybe not the right fit for us, but is kind of a fit, right? What would ha- help you to dial down some of that fear? And not just pursue the next person that comes along. And not just make a rash decision and settle on them. You know, not have to worry about all the late night text and the angry calls and the regrets that would come along with that. What would have to change for you? Maybe trusting that whatever happens, whether you're high or you're low, that God loves you and will care for you. No matter what. That you have a shepherd and you don't have to panic about the future. But God is going to provide for you. Okay, where does the shepherd lead them? Look at all the places that David says. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me in paths of righteousness. But he also leads me through the valley of the shadow of death. There's some very good soul-restoring places. And there's some really bad, difficult, hard places. And this psalm kind of cuts through the two pitfalls that a sheep can fall into, right? The first pitfall is, you know, I'm the one. Responsible for how good my life is going. I'm the guy. The good things in this life, the successes that I have, they flow out of you know, my brilliance and my hard work. It's just amazing how incredible I am, right? But when things aren't going well, God has forgotten me. God's angry with me. Things have suddenly spun out of his control or pff, maybe he's not there. If you were to look at David's life, you know that the temptations for those realities have to have been there too. David lived a super turbulent life. He had way high highs. He had way low lows. He started as a literal shepherd. One day this prophet Samuel comes to him and says, you're the next king. He says, cool, that's great. The problem is there's another king already. David actually goes and lives in that king's house and is like the court musician, which is kind of cool. But that king is also totally insane and tries to kill David. David spends a long time running as a bandit, uh, kind of fleeing from this guy, like, very turbulent, way low lows. But, you know, David also kills Goliath, which is, you know, if a giant wants to kill you and you beat him, that's a high, I would say, a big win. <laughs> he does eventually become king. His people love him. Throughout it all, he's able to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. How did he do that? One, he understood who the shepherd was. But two, he also understood that the definition of God's goodness to us is maybe not the definition that we always have for ourselves. That God, good for you might be that you score the internship, might be that you have a lot of friends, might be that you want it with somebody who's super cute. God's definition of us can include those things, but it's not focused on getting those things for us. 
What's more important to him is that we would know him and follow him to wherever he's leading us. The point of this psalm is that you may not know your path through life. You may not know your future, but you can know your guide. You can know God. God is working out a plan for each one of our lives. You know, your life isn't meaningless. Your suffering isn't meaningless. Your joys aren't meaningless. It's all part of God's work in your life. And usually He's using our suffering and our joy to take us to the next place. Look, the right path can go to the right places. It can go to great places. But the right path in life can also go to dark places. The right path in life can't just be the comfortable path. Because we can be very comfortable. We can make a lot of money. We can be with someone who's very attractive. And we can also be very far from God. And the good person can suffer in spite of having done good. Does that mean that God isn't at work in our life? No, it means the right path is the one that keeps us close to the shepherd. And so as he leads David through the ups and downs of life, it's as though God is asking, do you think that I can be any less good to you when you're happy and by every metric you're doing well as when you're unhappy and everything else seems to be going poorly? Do you think I'm less good to you then as when everything is going well? Because y'all, God's goodness... It's not an attitude that he has like we have. Like where one day it's this and the next day it's that. God's attitude is an attribute. It's part of his character. It's part of his essence. It's like the color of your hair, the color of your eyes. Big deal back in the day theologian, a guy named Jonathan Edwards, said there's three things you need to know about the way that God leads his people through life. One, God will turn even the bad things around for your good in the end. Two, your good things, your really good things can never be taken away from you. And three, the best things are yet to come. When David said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, he means it. He means that if you are in Christ, if you know God, then you're pursued by God's steadfast, unbreakable love. These promises he will never leave you or forsake you. He's promised that he's shaping your life in such a way that he's bringing you to a place where one day there'll be no more enemies or sorrow or death where you'll never feel apart from His presence or cold towards Him or wonder what He's doing, because you'll see Him and know Him face to face. You'll actually live with God and be with God in a way that just would blow your mind now. Does, God having, does having God as your shepherd mean that never, nothing bad ever happens to you? No. But it means that the right path is the one that keeps you close to God. And He'll walk with you wherever you go. It also means that this is a great way to get to know yourself. Which is a question uh, we're all asking right now, right? Is who am I? A couple of years ago, I was standing on the porch of Greystone, uh, which is the camp that we're actually going to in a couple of weeks for our fall conference. Looking out over the lake that's there and the mountains in the background. And it's a girls' Christian camp. And I'm standing there and this sixth grade girl comes up to me and she says, Simon, how do I find out who I am? Like, how do I find out the real me? It's a great question. Because we can feel really lost. We can feel really out of control of ourselves, can't we? Wondering who our people are. Where do we belong? Who do I belong to? How do I know who I am? How do I know the real me? It's one of the best questions I've ever gotten. And I would say that the best way to find out the real you is to find out who God is and to follow Him. That you'll learn more about your own heart and more about your own weaknesses, and what you really want, and who you really are, which if you are in Christ is God's beloved son or daughter, by knowing God and following Him, than you ever will through any club, 
or class or Instagram account. That we are God's beloved. That we belong with Him and to Him. And y'all, if that was built on my work, I would be very nervous about that. I'm a sheep, which means that I'm a flat-toothed meat candy covered in wool. Right? (laughs) But it's not founded on your work. Is the gospel about how much you love God? No, the gospel is about how much God loves you and gives you in Christ. That it begins with Him and He's the one that will finish it. He's the God, which means He goes ahead of you. And He's done so in Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. That on the cross He struck down by His enemies so that you could feast before Him. His cup on the cross overflows with cursing so that yours could overflow with blessing. Jesus left the Father's house and became a homeless man. So that you could be welcomed as a son or daughter into God's home. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Slain for your sins, the sheep. He does everything for you. He defends you. He guides you. He leads you. He does everything for His people. He knows your joys and your tears and your sorrows because He's with you. And He works all things to your good. Even the valleys. Look. I know that there are people in here who almost certainly in the last week know someone who's probably lost a home to the hurricane. I would wager that maybe there's one or two of us, maybe more than that, who maybe have lost a home themselves or lost something to the hurricane. There aren't any easy answers to that. I can't give you an easy answer to that. What I can say is that God is still a shepherd. That God still works Good things for his people, even in the midst of valleys and hardship. Does that mean that bad things aren't bad? No. What it means is that God is so God, they can take even terrible things, even the worst things, and use them to our good. And that'd be a pretty cold thing if he just kind of stayed up there and did his deal. But the beauty of the cross is that God becomes a man and is persecuted. And cast out and stripped naked and nailed to a piece of wood. The worst thing in history is that we crucified God. And God took that and He used it to your good. And if God can take that and use it to our good, then He can take anything. Does that mean there's easy answers to it? No. Does it mean that God is good? Yes. So I want to end with this. It's a story I know I've told before, but this is Psalm 23, and you can't not talk about sheep. I heard a story a few years ago about a, Shrek, a sheep named Shrek. And there's a sheep that lived in New Zealand. Uh, he wanders away from his flock one day, and he goes off and he avoids capture by living in these caves around New Zealand for six years, hiding by himself, living by himself, avoiding capture, until he's finally caught Not because the shepherds are so good, but because Shrek's wool grew and grew and grew until he's blind. And it literally grows over his face and he can't see anymore. And they finally just kind of nab him. (laughs) When a sheep is normally sheared, he has about 10 pounds of wool on him. Shrek had 60 pounds of wool. This animal normally lives in a herd with lots of other sheep. Sheep. He lived by himself alone in caves for six years. That's a long time in sheep years. Can you imagine how heavy that would be? Can you imagine what it would be like to be alone by yourself for that long? 
like a good chunk of your life? When they sheared Shrek, they took the wool and they actually were able to turn it into 27 men's suits size large. It's just an insane amount of wool, right? I, that's just a fact. I, just, I have to tell that fact when I tell the story. Do you know what they did with Shrek when they finally capture him? They take this bad, naked sheep to the Parliament of New Zealand where he meets the Prime Minister of a sovereign nation state. And they threw a party for this dumb sheep. Do you know what that is? That's a picture of the gospel. That's what God does for us. That through the highs and the lows of our life, God pursues us, carries us home, and then He throws a party for us. I tell that story because I just want to ask, is your idea of God big enough to hold that? That God is going to seek you out through all your mess and your sin and your sadness and the brokenness of the world. And He's going to bring you home and He's going to throw a party for you. Does your idea of God hold that? That's the offer of the gospel. And that's our offer to you tonight. To know that God and have Him as your shepherd and your guide through life. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you that you are such a good shepherd who loves us, cares for us, and gives everything to us to bring us home as a son or a daughter. Lord, you gave up your home. Lord, you gave up comfort. You gave up um, your life and health for a cross so that you could have us as your children. Lord, so that you could be our shepherd and our guide. God, there are people here who have lost incredible things. Lord, who have been hurt in incredible ways. God, we don't have easy answers to them. I don't think you give us an easy answer. But God, what you give us is yourself. Lord, help us to know you and to have you. Even if it's the sorrow of our life, even if it's the joys of our life. God, that we would know you as our God and our King and our guide. And that we would keep our eyes on you because we know that you love us and have given us everything. In your name we pray. Amen. Cool. Already.